Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest edition of the Royal Blue Podcast. And it's been a busy couple of days. There's plenty going on, on and off the field at the moment. Unfortunately, after report the latest injury situation here at the Echo, my colleague Joe Thomas there playing football with us in the Echo game on Thursday evening. There's a suspected fractured ankle. I mean, how's it all not, Joe? Yeah, nothing suspected about it. The yeah. came came mocking. I've got the boot and crotches, Chris. It's, yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's confirmed it is. So I yeah. think um, certainly me, me, me summer break's been ruined. My pre-season's on hold. It's questionable as to whether I'll be fit for the new season. Wow. Um, so, so glad to hear. But um, coming straight up to, up, up to date, I mean, we're, we're recording now just after 1 p.m. On, on Monday. On the one hand, still no news. Um, Everton off the pitch, but... Um, Bournemouth have been busy, and the the, the shock, sorry, the, the shock sacking of, of Gary O'Neill, who obviously ended up um, having his, his last game um, at, Good, at Goodison Park. I mean, um, take you by surprise, Gav? I think it's taken. I'm taking everybody by surprise. I mean, he was one of the candidates for manager of the year when you see where Bournemouth when he took over and. You know, I know they lost the last three or four games, but they, they were safe where they were a month ago in the season, virtually. And on that basis, you'd think he deserves another, you know, another shot at least. And makes you wonder who they're going to be bringing in. Yeah, but that was a major, major shot. You, you do wonder who runs. I know we're on the, ironically said on the Everton podcast, but you do wonder who runs football clubs, the quality of the people involved sometimes. Um, but yeah. I, that, that seems ridiculous, and I'm, most of the feedback I've seen just briefly before coming on air, as it were, was uh, was the same. Yeah, um, Joe Bournemouth obviously ended up um, playing a, a huge part in the Evans story um, la- last season, and we, we we went to those three games against um, Gary O'Neill. I mean, what what are your thoughts? I mean, could this potentially be a good thing for Evan? I mean, it's absolutely astonishing, um, and, and, and you know what? It's, I hadn't quite got round to the process of assessing whether it was good for Everton or not. Obviously, Everton have got to get their own house in order, but I don't think it's a bad thing, really. Obviously, there's a degree of intent when you look at what the the owners are saying at Bournemouth around transfers and things like that. They must have a plan for you know to spend money and maybe change the style of play for for, for what's coming um, and, and ambitions. But I think we've seen on so many occasions. Particularly with, with clubs that um, have you know, quite recently got to the Premier League or don't have a, a consistency in there, the ambition can you know just as easily take you backwards as it can take you forwards. Everton have shown that obviously with with Fire Machiri, and it really feels like a, you know, Bournemouth have got themselves into a situation where they had a, a far better season than anybody could have possibly imagined, including their own manager at the start of the season, Scott Parker, when he came out and was criticising the the, the, the strength of the squad that he had 
taken up and the fact that they had no he believed they had no chance of staying in the Premier League. Gary O'Neill did a wonderful job to keep them up, kept them up. You know, and it was they, they played competitive football like yeah, they went to couple of their games, obviously they went to Arsenal and, and went 2-0 up and, and lost to, to you know, a stoppage time goal from Reese Nelson just after Everton had gone there and fought. You know, I remember going there on the, on the, the midweek night and thinking Everton had done all right for shutting up shop for 40 minutes and just keeping it tight. And obviously then they got blown apart. But then you looked at what Bournemouth had gone and done and you um, and you thought, well, actually, maybe there was an opportunity to miss if Everton had been a little bit more aggressive. So, you know, it, it's, it's, just, it's interesting. You think just as another club gets a point of stability, they go and put it all at risk. And that's a dangerous thing to do in this league. And, you know, as a result, you, you, you probably have got an argument to say that a club that would probably count itself as being a few steps ahead of Everton going into this summer now perhaps finds itself dealing with a bit of instability, which, again, is a mess that is created for itself. Yeah, just finally on this, um, Gav. I mean, what it shows. I mean, there are there are US owners at, at Bournemouth and Everton currently, as we know, in the process of potentially having the, the US investment. Say that, suppose uh, an American owner might not hold much stock with with Gary O'Neill, and we have to wait and see who he who he ends up bringing in. We're told the statement actually said that um, that there was going to be a an appointment made imminently, so it looks like they've got somebody lined up. But they, they, it looks like a more high-profile candidate will be coming in. And these sort of these US owners, they are, they are known for making decisions like this. Yeah, Todd Bowley you're talking about and people like that. Yeah, yeah. I was wondering they said they were making an appointment in the next forty-eight hours. There, Chris, but I think I'll tell that. Yeah, I mean. It's just modern football for you, and I think there's a wider, wider issue, isn't there, over, over ownership of football clubs and I mean, and US owners and Middle Eastern owners and the, the, you know pulling in different directions. And I think you know it's all. I mean, that we have a long conversation about the Premier League and its competitiveness and and the people, the people who run football clubs. We you know we was interested in they've got, and this is just a, another example of it. People, I mean, reading between the lines, they just think Gary O'Neill's not sexy enough for the club. It would seem so, wouldn't it? There's that's, a that's, 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 that's everything that's Max out of him, mate. Set aside, he kept them up and kept them up reasonably comfortably in the end. And it's Max that they just want a bigger name, don't they? Not somebody who was still until recently a like, former player, wasn't he? Really, uh, he's only a young man, and, and maybe they're just looking, looking. For somebody who's who's a bigger name and who can who can raise the profile of the club, and that would appear to Trump achievements at this stage, but doesn't it really? And I think that's really sad. As a Joe, as Gab has just mentioned, there he's 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 the old forty-eight hours. We discussed that on our last podcast. It was the three of us again last Thursday. It had already been and gone by then. We're now, uh, you know, another. Three days on, we're just four hours short of it coming up to a week now since the initial announcement at 5 p.m. on the Monday. Your Royal Blue column of, over the weekend was about how the headline, uh, Everson shot them themselves in the foot and uh, and we're still waiting. Yeah, we, we, we are. It's... it's um... I, I just don't quite understand it, to be perfectly honest. I, I just think forever, if everyone want to begin, if you want to be taken seriously, you've got to act seriously. 
I mean, you know, I tried to be as fair and balanced as I could in that call in, in that piece. You know, I think ultimately we know that these things are really tricky. We know they're complex. There'll be legal matters. There'll be all sorts. But at the end of the day, they should know that as well. They'll be going through that process. So don't self-impose a deadline that doesn't need to be set in the first place. Um, you know, it's just absolutely bizarre. You would you would like to think that they would already know whether or not they could do that, deliver a, a, an update within 48 hours before that they pen that and get it signed off and then do it almost to be right in the next one as as to send, sending that one out to everybody else but instead they're not and it's just really frustrating really i mean it's it's just more negativity and, and it's you know more it's causing more frustration for a fan base that's already fr- frustrated and and you know it's, it just 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 seems so it just seems so so daft and you know i i kind of she look back the last six months and i kind of keep finding myself in a position where I'm doing these articles where you know applying scrutiny or questioning or criticism and don't want to be doing this all the time and I think I think there's a perception from some people in and around the club that kind of you know I do these because they're fashionable or I'm trying to appeal to you know um the radical section of whatever you know, the Everton fan base according to the club but like I'm doing these because I've got I've got I've always got no choice because they put this in a situation where you know if I'm going to act right with any integrity or any honesty like how can you not be questioning what's going on it's 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 absolutely ridiculous and as we keep saying it's all completely self-imposed self-inflicted and you know like I finished that piece saying you know Everton really need to start taking a step forwards but First thing they've got to do in order to make that movement is stop shooting themselves in the foot. You know, this this game is hard enough when you've got everything going for you. You know, I mean, when you're hampering yourself in the way that Everton are at, at the minute, it only makes things even more difficult at a time when you know, Everton need to be getting everything right just to have a chance of making themselves competitive next season. And Gab, that situation actually has moved on in terms of... Um... Neville Southall, uh, you know, a player who's very dear to both you and I, um, mentioning. I mean, I mean, I suspect with his hard-hitting views, he's not always uh, the most welcome person uh, in the good sports corridors of power. But um, he was asked on the situation of the weekend because he'd done an initial tweet where he was talking about the fact that Graham Sharp and he would always remain friends and especially a, a difficult situation. He wasn't sure how he'd have reacted himself, alluding to the fact that um, Sharp was the director and uh, was one of the three who went last Monday. But then he was asked in a follow-up question, his thoughts on, on Bill Kenwright, and, and, and he gave a very blunt answer, uh, time's up. Yeah, yeah, and I think he would. Not surprised to hear Neville's views on that. Um, I think Gray may have, like some of Neville's support by Graham as a non-executive director, by the way. Um, to be honest with you, not after not after the fact that's all say that can. Um but I think yeah, it's just it's his statements. I keep on I've read it a few times, you know, and, and Joe, you, you, I think I read your piece about it on 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 Saturday that there's still a couple of couple of things there that I'm still still um it's unanswered. No way they say like the directors have been working towards a smooth transition. Well, that implies that the directors have been told at some point that they will be leaving, doesn't it? So, when was that decision made? Was it three months ago? Was it four months ago? Yeah, well, I think I have offer a little bit of insight in this because I was looking um, quite recently at some of the some of the documents on on Companies House around um, the yeah the the loans and the charges that have been made to kind of, I think, help 
yeah. the next stadium funded. I think on one of the documents there is signed by Denise Barrett-Baxendale on the 19th of May, I think off the top of my head. I've checked that while we're, we're on here, but that just made me, I, I remember seeing that and thinking, oh, well, because I think, because you know, like probably a lot of us, have heard all sorts of rumours over the past few few months, and some people, you know, I, I think it was as probably it was probably eight weeks ago. I think the fans stopped me at half time at, at, in the press box and said, "Is is she gone?" Because I've heard she has, and I was like, "Well, I don't think so." Um, and it and it, it looks like she probably did remain in post. Uh, well, certainly signing documents now, certainly till you know the very close to the end of the season at least. Yeah, but yeah, you put put them, yeah. Yeah, but at some point, said like I said, transition. Now transition say some time, corporately. So maybe it's all two months ago or three months ago. You're still here, but you believe at the end of the season. And I think I think you said in your piece that actually, you know, that there's been no leaks about anything about, about all of this beforehand, which is which is interesting. And then the other thing as well, so that that's the unanswered question to me. Maybe the club I'm just trying to think aloud here and just speculate. Maybe maybe the club didn't want to say in. February and March, the directors will be leaving at the end of the season because that that's when the process were you know obviously quite uh, quite high profile because that may look as though they're just reacting to what the sports are saying then doesn't it you know they're just basically um, caving into a little to a degree maybe that's one of the reasons why they've left until now but decided several months ago that the, the people will be going and the other thing as well is and it's just a daft, maybe a daft question who do you think said I'll be uh, you'll be hearing in the next four six hours whose decision was that. Yeah, I, I I couldn't even begin to guess. Um, is that Michelle? Is that Ken Rice? Is it maybe some of the potential new board members? Or is it just something that's come from the communication team? It, it just throws up like that as a little bit of a pat. And this is the really damaging point, isn't it? Really that, I think you said on Saturday, it throws up that there's a bit of a power vacuum there, isn't it? There's a bit, bit of a decision-making vacuum. And, and I was just thinking, because I think I think that the, the, the notes on side is who decided on this 48 hours? They could be could be one of three or four parties in that, and and from a corporate perspective, that that you know that that gives me some worries, and it 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 it's still. You know, as just we said last week, you could have, you could have done it, you could have worded it differently, and just you know remove the problem. Really, couldn't you? Yeah, I think that's the big frustration, isn't it, Gav? That as Joe's mentioned himself, you know, this nobody made them use this phrase, and. It's concerning that they felt that they were in a position to meet it. Obviously, you wouldn't say that if you didn't think you were going to meet it, and then they've been unable to do so. Yeah, well, as I say, because he's been working like on Friday's pods, you're saying you've been working in transition. They've known that this transition is going to take place, and there will be a changeover at some point. So you would have think about once once we've decided, once your work is complete and telling the new people what they need to do and stuff like this, then. We'll we'll announce those those names as well, and it's a, it's a few, there's a few, um, you know, there's, there's still a few questions for me about about what it well, you know what it means for the the club in terms of who's doing what at the moment, who's doing what in the future. Yeah, we 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 are waiting to see on that one. Uh, Joe, the 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 profit and sustainability charge at Everton. Um, face uh, with the, the independent um, commission it's been reports now that that um, date has been set for the 25th of october but i think anyone who thinks that heaven will be in and out there in the afternoon and there'll be a verdict either way um that's not going to be happening is it oh no it, it, it's just not i mean first and foremost we don't really know 
huge amount about how these things work because you know, we haven't had one yet. Obviously, the Man City charges come before Everton, but yeah, that's a process that is still very much ongoing. But you know, anything like this is always going to take a lot of time. Obviously, October you know takes us well into next season already, and you know you, you go from there, and there'll be. Yeah, everyone's going to make their arguments. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, obviously, you know, they'll they'll come away. They'll whoever leads it will make a judgment, and then whoever loses it will probably appeal it, and it'll just get the camera just get kicked down the road. Like I mean, nothing like this ever takes. Um, yeah, nothing like this ever happens quickly. Yeah, I think we're a, we're a long way from from finding out the the conclusion of 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 that. And um, yeah, but. Um... In, 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 in regards to that, and like we said, as Joe said, the, the, the details are, are still very sketchy, but what we've seen is um, articles from, from um, other publications seemingly trying to join the dots in, in, in this respect. And it, it seems a, a very dangerous um, game to play because from what we understand, this isn't necessarily referring to uh, on-the-field matters, and obviously, like I say, details are sketchy and nothing's been outlined at the moment, but there seems to be a degree of opportunism, really, again, and that's alluding to that potential power vacuum at Everton that you've spoken about. Yeah, and I don't think it helps us that the, the, the people who were there, people who were there, there during that time period in question won't be, won't be around for, for the hearings. I'll take, take Joe's point was well made on slide, but also shows the clubs. You said we're doing something about it, and in terms of rectifying matters, and, and I get that. But to me, I, I think I said this at the time. I think that it's just it's a bit shambolic in the way things are done by the Premier League. That there's a hearing take place more than eighteen months after that period ended. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and this I should say that won't be the end of the matter. So these said charges up until the end of March 2022, isn't it, I think? Um, so that the hearing on that is October 2023. Well, that doesn't do anybody favours, does it? It doesn't do Evan any favours for the start. Because how can we plan? Um, we, we may be planning in the summer that if things go wrong, that we'll, 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 do it, we'll make some purchases in January, but then, then get fouled actually in October, you can't. So then if we'd have known that, we know there's a January transfer plan, we may approach the summer completely different. And, and, and I'm not defending Evan here, but it's just the whole thing is just unsatisfactory that it takes me that long to come to a, to a judgment. It does nobody any favours. It doesn't do any other Premier League club any favours. It doesn't do those clubs who went down last season. When I, you know, who will quite legitimately argue, say, well, Evan had an advantage and had advantages the year before. It, it's, I just think the whole thing should be speeded up so everybody is knows earlier on what what you know what the what the judgment is and can plan accordingly. Leaving it eighteen months after the fact is just um, I, I find that shambolic to be honest with you, um, especially since the the gap between when did we get said we'll be um, referred was that about a couple of months ago was it something like that yeah, I think it was, March, was it March yeah. In the March yeah and and it takes six months to go full start come on yeah. that just that just seems to be over bureaucratic and, and I get I get this legal stuff to be fair but it needs to move quicker than that especially especially since both parties are supposed to be talking to one another during all this time by the way it just the whole the whole time scale is ludicrous. 
Um, and um, as I say, it doesn't do anybody any favours, Chris, and it doesn't look well on the Premier League, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, Presenting to, to on-the-field matters for, for a moment there, uh, Joe, well, there's reports o- over the weekend um, that Everton were braced for a potential move um, from Manchester United, uh, Jordan Pickford. I mean, David De Gea, as we know, is entering the last couple of weeks of his current contract. There's talk of much reduced terms for him. Um, there is a supposedly an option for an extra year, so that sort of muddies the waters there. But realistically, there are um, two um, players at Everton who who could raise substantial funds, and it's Jordan Pickford and, and Anana. I mean, it's a fast-moving situation. There's reports today that, uh, talking of Anana, that the inter-goalkeeper Anana, Manchester United, might have moved to the front of the queue for him. So it is a fluid situation, but... Um, it's it's a it's a, a massive call, isn't it, for, for Everton? Uh, um, if if somebody just come in for John Pickford, given that we understand that that, that funds are tight at, at the club and the squad rebuilding may depend on on, on the sale of an asset. Yeah, so it's a huge call, a big call. I mean, as it stands, you know, no offer's been made. You know, no one's formally contacted Pickford's representatives or anything like that. So I think at the minute, it's still a lot of. Noise, essentially, you know, to use a Sean Dice phrase, I think it's a lot of, you know, two and putting two and two together. May United need a goalkeeper, potentially need a goalkeeper. Well, May United and Tottenham are both succession planning for goalkeepers, aren't they? Even if De Gea stays for a little bit longer, you know, it looks like they've both got long term uh, decisions to go to make on that front. And obviously, there are only so many goalkeepers out there that you know, uh, you know, would, would, would fit their their requirements. So, you know, people that are at the top of their game, but also are, are gettable. And I should think that they would think that Jordan Pickford is is within reach given Everton's financial situation. And also the fact that, you know, Everton can't even, I know Tottenham can't do this, but in terms of, you know, Everton can't even get close to offering Jordan Pickford European football or anything like that. So... Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. It sounds like David Ray at Brentford's got a few admirers, and it sounds like Anana at Inter's got a few as well. Pickford's there um, as well. Obviously, Manchester United, a lot makes sense for, for Pickford. Obviously, he allows him to stay in the area that he's living already and gives him an opportunity at European football to challenge for some silverware. But yeah, Pickford's, Pickford's happy at Everton. I think it'll be a case of whatever happens, he'll let everything happen above him and, you know, go go with whatever is, is, is decided above him because, you know, he's, he's settled at Everton and written it a few times. Like, he, you know, he likes the place and he feels at home. Obviously, he's with his long-term uh, goalkeeping coach, Alan Kelly. We've known each other since Preston days and that as well. So I don't think he'll be pushing for a move if one was to come. But it's, it's definitely is it's going to be really... I think the next 10 days or so in particular are going to be really, really interesting because obviously we know from the sale of Richarlison last year, you know, just what... how big these next 10 days or the 30th of June cutoff point is for in terms of the fight that the financial year that the clubs operate towards and getting another signing on onto the books to to help make the accounts look better now you, you'd like to think that things are moving in the right direction on that front and obviously Everton have already banked the 45 you know the money for Anthony Gordon they've already banked the money for for Moise Keane which should now be be with them after you know it with has been obliged to make that deal permanent but if 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 Everton Need to sell for financial reasons, then it may well we'll probably get well we'll, we'll get an answer to that in the next ten days, and you know it might end up that Everton end up losing out on a little bit more money because they're not in a position where they can hold on for as long as possible. But 
I, I, it's a difficult one with Jordan Pickford. I think uh, we we I mean this was ended up being the main discussion point of our discussion on the retain list and the situation with Asmir Begovic. To me, it's a much more straightforward situation if Everton has still got Asmir Begovic because whilst all right, maybe you don't want him. Ideally, he might not be a number one goalkeeper heading into a Premier League season. He's still as good a number two as you can get in a safe pair of hands who's kept two clean sheets in his last three Premier League outings. And you know, those, those two clean sheets come in very big games. The first win of the season last season against West Ham, the, the massive win against Newcastle towards the tail end of the season before that. If Evan have got Asmir Begovic there, they've got a little bit more room to play with. They don't have him there. They may well be looking for a number. There's certainly a decision to be made on whether they need to sign a number two or whether they can promote internally. It becomes a lot more complicated if you then add on trying to find a number one. And, and you know, goalkeepers can, good goalkeepers can move on for relatively small sums of money, but it would be difficult to see how Everton could find a replacement that does as good a job for Everton as Jordan Pickford on the last two years um, without significantly reaching into the funds that you know, they would hope to acquire. And this is something I wrote about last week in a kind of a, a, a transfer state of play scenario. That the problem that Everton have got is that their two biggest, the two most saleable assets Jordan Pickford and Amadou Anana, but it, with Begovic having gone and potentially with Tom Davis maybe going, they they leave themselves in a situation where if they were to cash in on either of those players, they then create a hole in a scenario that, that needs filling. Sean Dyche wants to play three centre midfielders and he sells Anana and Tom Davis doesn't sign. Well, he's only really left with Guy, Decore and... Um, and James Garner, he probably, he probably needs five. You probably want five centre midfielders. You know, even if Tom Davis stays with Salonar, they probably still need to find a squad player. And the problem is, like, if you're getting, say you're getting 40, 50 million pounds in for these players, all of a sudden you're having to spend 15 million on trying to fill in the gaps for for lesser players to, you know, to then, to then come in and do jobs. And, and all of a sudden then that eats into the money that could be spent on the forwards or the fullbacks or the wingers that we know Everton needs. So it's, it's such a complicated situation. Such a complicated situation. One thing I was wondering a little bit with um, with Pickford is obviously Manchester United have got a situation with Dean Henderson, which isn't resolved. You know, I don't think he's... You know, he looked like at one point he was going to end up being United's new number one. Then, you know, I think De Gea came back, took the number one slot... Obviously, we know Henderson went out on loan to Forest last season. I think he's quite vocal in his, his criticism of the way the club, Man United, had handled the situation. And I'm not quite sure there's a way back there for Dean Henderson. And you just wonder if, you know, he's he's a good goalkeeper, Dean Henderson. You know, he he, he played well for Forest until he got injured. Like, I, would, I wonder if that would maybe, you know, Marnie and Dean, Dean Henderson would be about as, as, good a, as good a goalkeeper as I think Everton could hope to get to replace Pickford and still have some money left over. I wonder if, if it got to the point where Man United were genuinely interested in Pickford, whether that could be part of a deal. Gav, your, your, your thoughts on it? I mean, are, are Everton very fortunate that Jordan Pickford seems to be settled? Because I guess if Pickford was pushing for a move, could be a very different situation, but he is relatively settled. Has that put Evan into a very fortunate position? What's your take on it all? A fortunate position that actually he wants to stay. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I, yeah, it's, 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 I mean, 
it's one of these things that of the two players, from a footballing perspective, you probably want an honour to go because Pickford's so vital. What the club would say is from a financial perspective, it's, it's better to sell Pickford because... 29, you mean? Yeah, yeah but also as well, he generate the biggest profit because we I mean, get a load of cash in for the Nana. We'd have to give like quite a bit of that to uh, a couple of for the start. And there's a sell-on. They've got a sell-on clause happening and stuff. So from from a from a, a finance perspective, it's better for the club to sell Pickford. Um, yeah, I think it, it could be within Jordan's gift, couldn't it? Really, what he wants. Twenty nine. He's maybe thinking there's people, a couple of people behind me at England. If it goes. If it goes to United, I raise my profile a little bit more. Um, it might be better for me England career if, go, career if it goes to United. Don't know. It doesn't strike me as somebody who will just do it just for, for the money and so on. Um, uh, yeah, it's 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 an interesting one. This it's, it and it just shows the. Yeah, you know, I've got a funny feeling this this, whatever whatever the reasons are for Begovic's not not staying. You, you've got a funny feeling that this is some things out of the time. This is got a basis in the bum at some point during the summer, isn't it? Not big, which not staying. And I think if Pickford wants to just accelerate that process, because then looking for two keepers, um, and uh, I don't think that will be that would that won't be ideal. So yeah, I I, I don't know. Chris. I mean, I, I just also know is that Pickford's best to be sold finance self sold for financial reasons. Yeah, it's better for us and honest football reasons, um, probably. But it's within Tim Jordan's gift. I don't, I don't know. So maybe there's some interesting conversations going on in the England camp then at the moment, isn't it? Not quite. I mean, ever and I've yeah. obviously seen that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was always remember uh, there's a story about in 1990. Ferguson allegedly told uh, Clayton Blackmore to tap. Uh, uh, to have a word, not tap. To have a word with Neville. Uh, you know about going to Man United. And uh, and uh, then then Fergie saw Neville's um, you know, post post side protest during the summer and said, "Oh no, I might give that that one a swerve," you know. So things things can change, but within Jordan's gift, isn't it? Really, be interesting to see what happens there. But at this about it's one that still grates with me a little bit. Yeah, um, Joe. Interesting um, comments from from, from Alex Awobi, uh, Everton's players player of the year. I mean, he's ruled himself out of a move to Saudi Arabia, but he said he's he's still quite quite like um, Champions League football. So it's one that he ever that a club have to watch because he's he's getting down to the last twelve months of his contract now. Yeah, Alex Awobi is another kind of interesting you know, scenario that's probably slipped under the radar so far in all in all our discussions, really, because. Like you say, he enters the last 12 months of his contract this summer. So, you know, if Everton, this summer probably is the last chance for Everton to make some money off him, really, if somebody was to come in. Um, yeah, there's been a contract there. Contract talk's been ongoing for quite some time. I think it was back in October when I wrote that Everton had opened discussions on the signing of a new deal. And it was around that time they were talking to Gordon, Pickford and it will be, and you know, we know how the other two went. Gordon, they never got over the line, and then he ended up leaving. Pickford eventually did, you know, did did commit to the a uh, longer term future. Alex Awobi, there's not really been any update, and and it's a bit different with some of the others because remember when asking Sean Dyche around this in the final weeks of the season, you know, he was always quite clear in the sense that the players who were out of contract, you know, it's not as if with six weeks ago in the season, he was having conversations with them about their futures. He was very much focusing on 
the, the you know the football and staying up. But one of the things that one of the caveats he'd always make is he'd always say that he wasn't taught when he was answering that question. He wasn't talking about the, the discussions that already started before he arrived. Obviously, by that point, eventually referring to only really Alex Awobi. So you know they haven't been able to strike a deal and. You know, it's, it's an interesting one. I mean, if, if you're Alex Awobi, I'm, I'm not sure that you would commit to a long-term future with Everton um, this summer because having uh, two relegation battles and the way in which this summer has started, you couldn't rule out a, a difficult season next season as well. So, you know, if he was to commit for a long-term future, obviously he has his own financial security and, and stability and he knows he's got uh, you know, a wage coming in for however long that contract is but you know, he might want to gamble and just run it out and you know, he tries hard he works hard he's a nice player he's a popular character and, and he's, he's played really well for him in a big big moments over the last two years so um, yeah really it's going to be an interesting one. With, with Awobi in this summer I, just, I don't really know who would I don't know who would come in for him uh, and, and, and I, I feel like as, as as impressive as he's been in bursts, and I'm mainly thinking of the beginning of the season when he was kind of moved into the centre midfield because he haven't had a bit of a, a bit of a crisis in the centre midfield. And by the time we got to World Cup break, I think Everton scored 11 goals in 15 games, which is obviously a paltry number, and he'd either scored or set up more than half of them. Um, so he, he, you know, if he'd have been playing with a proper striker, we saw him link up with DCL for uh, Calvert-Lewin's goal against Crystal Palace. When if he if he'd have had a proper line up in front of him then yeah it may well be that those numbers would have been much higher uh but yeah it's 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 another it's another fascinating one there are so many moving pieces there are so many kind of open-ended questions at Everton at, at the minute and it's just so important really again that there's a clear defined strategy that's that's you know taking hold at Finch Farm and to be fair there might be one at Finch Farm we know that there's a lot of issues going on at the Liver building and the board at the minute yeah, they may have they may have seeped into Finch Farm. They may not. We we don't quite know. But Everton can't afford. They can't afford another. They can't afford another transfer window like January, where they just ended up being a whole bunch of of, of mixed signals and just a chaos that led to Everton getting weaker than stronger. You know, someone needs to be made. They can't just then. then someone needs to have already fought through the Alex Orobi situation and know what the club's position is. Like they can't just wake up tomorrow morning and turn out someone's put 15 million down for him and then, then go, oh yeah, we'll take it and not have a plan B, et cetera. So, you know, I, I don't know, but I, I suspect that obviously the club will have a good idea where Alex's position stands because they've been talking about a contract with him for what, eight months. So, you know, they'll probably know which way that one's going and whether they're either close to a deal or not. So that'll influence whether or not they would be willing to accept any money. But do you think would a Champions League club come in for Alex Warby at the minute? I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. I like him a lot, but I don't know. I think, I feel like he probably has to have a very, very good season with Everton next season to then, you know, put himself in that conversation. Yeah. Well, Gav, he threatens to upset his gardener, eh, doesn't he? Is, is, is Evertonian gardener, Alex Awobi, who was telling us all about uh, ahead of the Bournemouth game, all these um, people around him in the Awobi inner circle who were all blues, even though he lived in, in Manchester. I mean, he's, he's had a strange old Everton career, hasn't he? Ups and downs, different positions, and not quite sure how to get the, the best out of him. I suppose this sums it up. We, we don't know. On the one hand, is he going to run down his contract? Is he offering a new deal? Is he off to a, a Champions League club? We really don't know. Yeah. I think, I think the two issues here is that just general threat of relegation over the last two years has probably hampered contract discussions. 
And again, just speculating, I would imagine one of the issues is, is it will be Zuma to be one of the best played, best day in is at the club, isn't he? One of the highest. And I think when the club comes to look at his contract, I think they would be a little bit unwise to, to, to you know, offer the same previous terms because the financial position of the club's changed dramatically since 2019. So you think that's probably hampered things as well, about how much a will be wants and how much he's worth compared to what he's, he's getting at the moment. Yeah, so I, I think that's probably the stumbling block. And I like a lot of players, you, you, know, you can't you can't let players go because other clubs won't pay the same thing in a way to what they've got at the moment. Uh, and that, that's that's causing us all sorts of issues. That means that you know we either go out on loan or they just run down the contract and then go. And me is another example of that, isn't it? Really, and we've got to, we've got to we watch out. If you just that, it's worth a discussion there. If if, we, if the world we went now, how much do you think he'd go for? A lot less than what they paid for him, obviously, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's one year left on his contract? As Joe said, yeah, he's had a decent. He's had a decent, decent couple of seasons, you know, a few ups and downs, but it's for 18 months it's say he's had. If you sold him now, look to sell him, what do you think his market value will be? I think you'd probably be, you'd, you'd do well to get sort of eight figures for him, wouldn't you? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like a year on, and probably with Evan perhaps needing to sell, you know, arguably, or, or certainly in a position where they're willing to listen to offers for, for players, you'd think. You know, probably twelve to fifteen million, maybe I reckon. Yeah, yeah possibly. I, I think that's the high end. It's just then, then it's way yeah. on top of that, isn't it? I mean, so I, I just it's 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 just complicated as a side by the fact that you know the the contract the, the contract negotiations probably hampered by the allegation issue, like Dice alluded to, and the fact that he's on a rumored allegedly to be on a six figure uh, weekly weekly wage. So yeah. I, I, I don't know where we go go with this. He doesn't. He doesn't. Doesn't say. I mean, I, I don't think I've heard anything about wanting to move. So it's just being set to what pan out. But what will happen next year if he goes on a three? You get goes in the same problem. Yeah, yeah. You know I mean, and sort of midfielders going is you've then got to spend quite a bit of money just to get a replacement, haven't we? Cash that we haven't got. So in some respects. He's probably worth more to us at the moment if we if we keep him, isn't it? Really, and offer him a offer him a deal, maybe even you know to, to the wages that he's got. Because the alternative he got is he goes next season on a free, and at least he protect the protect his value in the transfer market. So, is it? I suppose in some respects, in quite a strong negotiate position, really. Um, on from that angle, but. There's just so you can't you can't you can't have a conversation about Evan at the moment about anything without saying the phrase there's so many movable parts here. <laughs> it's just, it's just, it just is it, it's just it's just a stock and trade uh, quote, isn't it really? And and I will be definitely one of them. It, it's it's just several dimensions to it. And um, I, I like him Pickford. I suppose he's going to be within his gift what he wants to do. If he go, goes on a three next year, that that won't. I don't think that will be good. I think it's a good uh, place to, to end it with. That. As, as Gav said, could be so many movable parts. Uh, who knows? In another or two, we could all change the game. But for now, um, I've been Chris Beasley, been joined by Joe Thomas, by Gavin Buckland. This has been the Royal Blue Podcast.
You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.